0: It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of red and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night, and we are women. This podcast episode is brought to you by Uplevel, the app that's redesigning the world for women. Head over to Uplevel.com, that's dot com to join the Uplevel network and learn how to accelerate your life professionally, personally, and financially. Apply now and get access to highly curated, female-focused, and ad-free content. Membership required. Download the Uplevel app on the App Store today. I am so excited to introduce you to Katie Love who is a former TV news reporter and now the CEO of Love Your Social Media. I met Katie through Instagram when we started following each other one day and I immediately became a fan and wanted to have her on the show to share her story. During this episode, Katie shares her journey, starting from her childhood, then achieving this successful TV news reporting career to leaving it and then starting her own social media marketing business. She spoke about why her husband left his successful TV news reporting career to become a stay-at-home dad and being okay with something that society tells us is not normal. We also spoke about self-imposed guilt that comes from society and how everyone seems to have ideas of who we should be and how we should act. Katie shared how she worked through her feelings of guilt and how no one is doing it all independently. She also spoke about having realistic expectations of ourselves as women and the untraditional roles in her home that she and her husband have adopted. Katie shares some great tips for new entrepreneurs. She also talks about the importance of supporting other women and the lessons she learned from her own experiences. I can't wait for you to hear Katie's story and be inspired.
1: As a child, I know I was overly friendly, so much so that my parents said that they were exhausted by the amount of birthday parties I was invited to. I also just would go up and introduce myself, always trying to make friends. I think I'm still like that to this day. I was always kind of a performer, too, putting on plays, trying to get my parents to listen to my terrible singing. (laughs) So that's kind of what I was like.
0: Wow. And do you think that that kind of was like the catalyst for you going into the TV industry, you know, becoming a reporter?
1: Yes. So I was always in school plays. I always wanted to be on stage and I always loved to write. So from a young age, I knew or I thought I knew that I wanted to be a news reporter and I worked so hard every summer going to, you know, getting internships. I had an internship at the Today Show. I was in DC. I had an internship here in Miami and in Dallas and then we can get into it, but I I had it in my mind that I all I wanted to do was be a news reporter. So, about 2 days after graduating college, I was in Springfield, Missouri. I had never set foot in Missouri before and I was a news reporter, but there had been a terrible EF5 tornado that had totally wrecked the town next door. And so after a few days of working, they asked me to go cover this tornado. And I spent the next year talking about um, the ins and outs. It had totally destroyed the major hospital, the schools. I mean, it was absolutely devastating and it kind of catapulted my career into talking about natural disasters. I then went to more Oklahoma where another tornado had been hit. And I, I traveled a lot covering these different disasters. After that, I started to get really close, which sounds strange, but with parents who had children who were missing. So we're talking about 2012, 2013, where social media was really starting to become a way of life. And these parents who had children who were missing, the way to get the word out was by posting on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or, of course, going on the news. And so a lot of parents sought me out because I started to build a following from my news career on social media to put posters of their missing children. And it really weighed on my heart. And every day I would come home, a lot of times these children ended up being murdered or something horrific had happened to them. And I was just crying myself to sleep every night. I couldn't, you know, barely could sleep. And I wasn't the person, I wasn't that young Katie who was, you know, friendly and so full of life. I was kind of like a shell of myself. And I realized that something had to give. And so I made a major pivot about two weeks before starting a new news job, I quit. And I haven't looked back since, but it is interesting when you think you have this one career path and you've worked so hard to be on it and you're doing it and you're excelling. And then you just realize that it's, kind of eating away at your soul. And it's it's difficult to make that choice. And it's really hard to, to change careers.
0: For sure. Yeah, it must have been really hard. This is what you plan to do with your life. So on so many levels, like emotionally, and then also just like logistically just changing careers.
1: I had no other backup plan. It's all I knew. I could hardly imagine what else I would be good at or what else I could do. It's what I studied. it's you know what I spent years doing. my husband, we met as news reporters, so it was something we shared. But then I started to envision my life as a woman, as someone who wanted to be a mother, as someone who wanted to be a good partner and what a career in news had done to me and my personality and I knew that something had to change, but I had the skill of creating compelling content on social and reaching an audience. And so I started to think about what I could do with that. And I made the choice to start my company, Love Social Media. And at first, my husband thought, he always says, I thought I was going to have to support you for a couple of years and within two years, I was making double what he was making as a news reporter. <laughs> well. And fast forward to five years later, where my husband was able to leave his job as a news reporter because my company has really taken off and I, I have enough income to support both of us. And he's able to stay home with our one-year-old daughter. And it's definitely, I hate the word traditional because what's traditional anymore? But surprisingly, even in 2021, people can't wrap their minds around the woman being the breadwinner and bringing in the money and the husband taking care of the child. Right. Friends, family. Even last week, someone asked him, so what are you doing for work? He's like, I'm literally keeping a child alive 24 (laughs) hours.
0: Right, right.
1: But it'd be be so different if I said, you know what? I'm going to step away from this company that I've worked five years building. I'm going to be with my daughter. The response would be, you'll never get this time back with her. You know, this is so amazing. It's so sex. It's really sexist. Totally, really totally. And you know, it's funny, Katie, because
0: it goes both ways. Like, we're so into, you know, as we should be, female empowerment and all those things. But sometimes we forget that the men, like, your husband is almost, I'm not going to say discriminated against, but like, it's that kind of like, you're looking at me like it is a little bit discriminated against. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So just because he's a stay at home dad, because it's unusual, it's just so, it's interesting. It's really ironic. You know what I mean? That little twister.
1: Definitely. Listen, I'm the last one to say like, oh, poor white guy living in America. But I will say that it's sort of a difficult identity shift. So we went to open up a new bank because we recently moved to Miami. And the guy opening the account asked my husband what he does. He says, well, I take care of my daughter. like, well, I don't know what box. To put for your employment. And he's like, Well, I'm not employed. He's like, But do you want me to write that? (laughs) And then Mm -hmm. he's like, Well, I have a box for Homemaker. And it was like, My husband's like, Yeah, that's perfect. But to the guy, it was such a shameful thing for for Aaron, my husband, to put check Homemaker. Like, what the heck? (laughs) He said, It was so uncomfortable. He said, he, He felt really uncomfortable, and I felt bad for him. Um, even though he's like, let her, so today, our daughter finally took her first steps, was walking, and he had the luxury of being home with her to see it. The nature of my job, I get to be home and take breaks and see her. And so we were able to see this major milestone, which oh, is man. huge. It was That's really so huge. Sweet. Yeah. Thank
0: you yeah wow okay yeah i'm just i'm thinking it's so funny because first of all that's really awesome that you're able to it's in a way it's actually better i think when the woman is able to work from home and be there for the for the kid and then then the husband is taking care of the kid because then you both get to spend time with with your child but it's so funny because you were reminding me of you know that concept of when we are okay with something we're happy whether it's even like being single or not having children or whatever, or in your case with your husband being the stay-at-home dad. And then society comes in and tells us that this is not like, there's something weird here or there's something wrong. Like you should want to X, Y, and Z. You should want to be married. You should want to have kids. You should want to be working. When in,
1: in essence, like we we don't, we're fine. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do know what you mean because I felt major guilt and I've talked about this a little bit on social and now I'm, I own it, but I had guilt that it was, it's, I love my daughter fiercely. I've never experienced this kind of love, but I don't want to be with her 24 <laughs> seven. And I want to be able to come into my office and work really hard. And I felt like I was at the beginning, I felt like I was failing at both, either failing at being a mom or failing at being a business owner and that I should want to be with my daughter 24 seven, that I shouldn't want to work and all the things that I should be doing and how I should be feeling. And I realized by opening up about it on social, that there were a lot of women just like me who love their children, but just also love their work. Yeah. And that it's okay.
0: Totally. Totally. I think I actually saw some of those posts of yours. I love that because it's so true. There's so much self-imposed guilt, but I mean, I think it really comes from society. Wouldn't you
1: say most of this guilt? Yeah. From society, from, I I mean, some of it I probably put on myself, but yes, I think that there, that other people tell you what you should be, especially as a woman, everyone has this idea of what we should be and what we should wear and how we should act. Totally. It's time to punch it in its face. Right.
0: Right. So how did you work through the feelings of guilt?
1: I think that it would be a lie to say that I still don't feel guilty because I do. But I think what I've done is I've shifted my focus. And when I'm with my daughter, I'm present, my phone's away. I'm not answering emails or taking work calls. And when I'm at work, the door is closed and mommy is out of off, like out of mommy business. Like I needed it to be separate and I could do one thing really well and focus on it. And then, you know, I'm done for the day. I become a mom and I'm really focused on that. And then I felt like the time I spend with her was more quality and meaningful. And my head wasn't in a million places, so that's kind of how I've rectified it. But I think it's always a work in progress. Well, that's fair. That's a fair answer. <laughs> yeah, because it's like this myth of work-life balance. And I've become a, it seems crazy now after this whole journey. Now I have a, a team of six, you know, six full-time wow. people who rely on me and their income comes from me. And a lot of them are like Gen Z, early millennials. And they're always talking about work-life balance. And I don't know if that exists. I, I don't know if it's ever, you know, perfectly the same. What do you think?
0: Uh, yeah, I, I was just thinking, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think there, there, there is no balance because the thing is like you see those, those working moms, right? Who have everything together. Their houses are always clean and, you know, spotless and they have fresh food on the table for their children they have help. Like, let's be, let's be real. No one is doing it all. You know what I mean? Even if you don't see though there are people who are helping them out, they have help. So I think it's, it's not a realistic expectation to have on ourselves as women that you have that perfect balance because something has to give, we make things our priorities, just like in business, you have to decide like what your focus is on, you know, same thing in your li- overall life in general. I mean that—that's my two cents. But I don't know. <laughs> what do you think? No,
1: I—I I couldn't. I agree because that's the other thing that I've totally given in on is asking for help. And sometimes it feels like that's a sign of weakness or we can't do everything. But I can't. I couldn't run a business if I didn't have help. I can't. You know, we have someone who helps clean our house. We have someone who cleans our pool and we're lucky because I work really hard and I can afford those things, but I'm not doing all things like I can't cook. I I have to let that go. My husband likes to cook. So we switch it. So there are just things that you have to say. It's a it's OK. I can't I can't do it all. I need some help.
0: Right. I totally agree with you. Um, and I think that's also like that mindset shift to what, when, when you shift your mind is like, this is, this is okay. This is the way it is. This is, we're human. It really helps to bring everything into perspective and to feel okay with that. Not having that work-life balance.
1: Yes. It's a, yes, <laughs> I agree. It's like, just, you just have to be okay with it. I think that's very insightful.
0: Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thanks for bringing that up for sure. Yeah. I'm curious because First of all, the fact that your husband also cooks, so he washes your daughter and he cooks—that's that's a real stay-at-home dad situation over there. Does he ever feel like, and also, do you ever feel like maybe he? I'm trying to think of a way to say this, but like, because you're very feminine, I could see that. Like, you're a very feminine woman, and you know, I'm assuming he's masculine if he's, you know, because usually opposites attract. So, does he ever feel like because of the roles in society that that he's a little bit more
1: like feminine that he has to do? You know what I'm saying? Yes, I do know what you're saying, and we try not to put that kind of gender on our roles. But I think from the get-go, and I am who he married and who he met eight years ago. And I was like, "Listen, I am not some little Stepford housewife who is going to have dinner ready for you." When we got when we got married, his grandfather said, "Oh, Katie, you're, it seems like you're working a lot through your new business. I'm like getting up at." You no, know, seven AM, working till seven PM. I'm just curious. When do you have time to put the food on the table for Aaron? So that when he walks in, he can have his meal. I was like, Grandpa, that does not happen. <laughs> he can walk in the kitchen and make his meal himself. Um, so in our house, it's like the thing. Like I fix things. I'll hang pictures up. by you know, nail things to the wall and he's the one who likes to cook and it's not male or feminine, you know, or female. We try not to think about it in that way, but it's certainly, I think for our parents and for our grandparents, it's a little hard to digest. And they're the ones who are like, Ooh, cooking's for the woman. I mean, till this day, I still get cooking gadgets like for every birthday from his family. Like
0: (laughs) it's like, hit, (laughs)
1: hit, hit, hit. (laughs)
0: that's hilarious right so I definitely agree with you that you know it should men should be cooking of course you know what I mean like you shouldn't have to take over that role just because you're a woman it's just interesting to me that that's his like almost not job but his part
1: you know (laughs) and he likes it he likes it right I think it'd it'd be different if he was miserable and he hated it but he's good at it he likes to do it he loves laundry I hate it like (laughs) my socks are always mismatched and he, you know, he like folds my underwear and my bra bras. And it's like incredible value to me and my life and us us as a family. And when women do it, it's the same. You know, I think we've long undervalued the stay at home parent. It's really hard. It's almost harder than working full time. Like I know I couldn't do it.
0: Right. For sure. Because you have that aspect, besides for the physical labor that's involved, it's more of, I, I mean, I think, and, and I'm curious to hear what you think, it's very emotionally taxing.
1: I think so too, because you're dealing with a little tiny, crazy person that you love. And especially right now, our daughter, you know, she could be laughing. And then the next minute, she's just screaming her head off. And you're just, we're new parents and you're trying to figure it out. And you're trying not to fuck them up, to be honest. (laughs) And it's a lot more mentally taxing to make sure that you're child grows into a normal, like healthy human. It's a lot of responsibility.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. So I know you mentioned that you have on some family members still think like ask you questions about it and think it's a little different. How is it with your family and his family? I'm curious to know.
1: My family, the women always worked from my grandma to my great grandma, my aunts, my cousins, It's just, we're a family that has very little stay-at-home parents, but no stay-at-home mom. So I never saw my mom do that. I never saw my grandmother do that. And so when I chose to work and start my business, my, my father is an entrepreneur. He has his own company. It was very much like, of course, like you should never work for anybody but yourself. And this is what you should be doing. And so I think that um, it was embraced versus Aaron's family. First of all, my family is like full of divorce and um, like they can't get the love part. Not that it's just my last name, but they can't get the relationship part down, but they're very successful in careers. Aaron's, my husband's family is very successful in love. They've all been married for decades and very little divorce, but the the women are typically stay-at-home moms. And so we, it's interesting when you come together as a partner and you both come from such different families, trying to navigate and figure that out. For sure.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it's not. And it's so interesting though, that he is clearly picked up a lot of like really great character traits from his family that he does all these things for his family, for you, for your daughter, you know what I mean? Like folds the laundry and, and cooks and I mean, these are things that men should be doing, at least helping out with in general, regardless if they're a stay-at-home parent or not. He's going all the way with this. But um, it's interesting because, you know, these are really wonderful things to pick up from his family.
1: I agree. I think that um, it's interesting because I'm trying to think of a good example, but there are things like... I would say, okay, I have dark and light colored clothes. What setting do I put this on? Like I'm, like I, my family never equipped me with those basic tools. I mean, I could, you know, like open a business and I know all about like, the laws and everything like that. But I couldn't tell you how to put in laundry, (laughs) (laughs) but, but his family growing up, it's not like he was a boy. So he didn't learn how to do laundry or clean up the kitchen or get a stain out of the carpet. Like he learned all those things and it's really been a good match for me. And whether he's a guy or I'm a woman or not, like we, 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 we fit together because of that.
0: For sure. Yeah, no, it definitely sounds like that. That's so cool. Do you, I guess this, this would probably be more of a question for him more, but I'm sure you can answer it. Do you think he ever struggles because of what other people say to him? Do you think it ever, you know, makes him struggle with like self-confidence kind of thing um, because he's stay-at-home dad?
1: I think at the beginning he was very worried about disappointing people, disappointing family, friends. He had built his career as an investigative news reporter. He was very good at it. He was on TV every night. It was You know, he was reporting in his hometown of Pittsburgh, where his whole family was, where he grew up. And it was a, it it was a, he was almost like a local celebrity and he stepped away from all that. And I think that even though in his heart, it's what he wanted to do and he's happier now, he still felt that he was disappointing people. And that made, you know, at the time made him sad, I don't know if he questioned it or was self-conscious, but I think it made him sad that people couldn't understand his choice.
0: Right. Right. That makes total sense. Yeah. And it's so interesting how many things we do in life that we're doing for other people instead of ourselves. So the fact that he went and did this, even though people were questioning his decision is amazing. And then and that you do this also because it's really the same thing, your partners together,
1: you know. Yeah, thank you for saying that. I'm really proud of him. I think what he did is it was brave and it was hard. And it was the same thing that I did seven years ago, and I walked away from my career and tried something else. And it doesn't mean that this is this is what he's gonna be doing. I mean, he might do it for the next few years, but I think the great thing about our marriage and our partnership is that we're open to the other person saying this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I want to do and just supporting them and saying, okay, great. Let's, let's go for it.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Thank you. When you left your original career as a TV reporter, did you get flack for that from people around
1: you? I think people were shocked because I was the girl who's living and breathing news. I mean, of our graduating class in, in college, I went to the Bob Schufer School of Journalism at TCU. I was the one that, you know, was always raising their hand and getting straight A's and like doing every extra credit. So I think it was more of a, a shock that I was walking away from it. And I think that there was doubt, like what, what, what could she do with this? Going out on her own. And yeah, I mean, I don't, I think that now people say, "Oh, of course, this makes all the sense in the world that this is what you're doing." And and so yeah, but at the beginning for sure it wasn't it wasn't easy.
0: Right? And you know, this is another really great lesson because a lot of people think that they have to, that they can only be successful if they have the support of the people around them. And the truth is, yeah, of course it's really nice when people support you. I mean, it makes it easier for sure. But even if you don't have that family support or your close friends or whatever it is, you can still be successful.
1: I agree. And, and and even use that to fuel your fire. Do I think it's harder? Yes. Because when people are doubting you and when people are not in your corner, it, it's more of an uphill battle, but I don't think it, it can't be done. And I think that, a lot of us, if we make a choice that people don't understand will will get flack from their family and their friends, but if you know in the pit of your stomach that it's what you want to do that it's what's going to drive you and what you're going to like wake up excited to do every day, you know just tune all those people out
0: yeah, is that how you did it? Is that how you how you were able to just focus in front of you?
1: Yes, I was very focused and I worked a lot. I know that grind culture is kind of canceled right now, (laughs) but I don't think I would have gotten to where I was without just really hustling and grinding and and staying up till sometimes two in the morning to work on a client proposal or getting that doing going above and beyond to, um, you know, turn someone's social media into the vision I had for it. And I, I think it, it got me to where I am today. Tunnel vision and light, right. laser focus.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting. It's funny that you mentioned that about um, the grind, hustle being kind of like canceled. It's true. What would you suggest that people, um know, entrepreneurs, let new entrepreneurs, focus on in regards to when they're starting a business? Like how how can they achieve that balance of not driving themselves crazy and you know not sleeping and but also getting things done and building their business.
1: So I think you have to know what you can sustain because what happens with crime culture is that people burn out. They don't reach their full potential. They don't follow through. And so knowing when it becomes a point where you're really unhappy and not being productive. And so I think as an entrepreneur, you do have to work harder and you know, more than your competitor to stand out, but you can still do things that, that um, feed your soul. So (laughs) taking breaks, going on walks, like I, I would stare at my computer for so long, I couldn't see straight. So I started to set alarms on my phone to make sure I get up and take my dog for a walk or, you know, exercise for an hour to just clear my mind and reset and start again. And I think it's about The other issue, I mean, with COVID, people really started to adjust, but before working from home or working for yourself where there's no set schedule, right? Like I could wake up, but when my child wasn't my literal alarm clock at 5am, I could wake up at whatever time I wanted, but as an entrepreneur to be successful, you need to have a schedule like you would, like, what are three things I want to accomplish today? And then at the end of the day, if you can check those three things off, you can say that you were successful because no one's going to be like, great job. You are right. your own advocate in your own little bubble at the beginning, at least.
0: Right, right. For sure. Yeah, that's a great idea. The three things. That's a fantastic idea, actually, because then you could really see if you're successful.
1: I agree. And I think that sometimes people get too big picture, even in social, when they come to me and they're so overwhelmed that they just never haven't posted in the last year because they just can't deal with the stress of it. And I say like, what's one thing you can tackle this week on social that you can see the progress and be proud of yourself for? Like, I understand in the end, you want to see your whole social media transform and you want to do reels and you want to do stories and you want to do all the things. But when you start to think about it like that, you don't, sometimes people don't get anything done. (laughs) So You know, bring it bring it down to a small list that you can accomplish.
0: That's so true, by the way. The small goals are what, in the end, creates that accomplishment for that big goal.
1: Yes, and sometimes we know our big goal, but thinking about the path to getting there can just paralyze
0: you.: I know it's all in the mind, really. It's like it's pretty incredible because when you break because it's the same goal you're trying to achieve, when you break it down into smaller parts. You know, that's when it really is doable.
1: Definitely. I couldn't agree more.
0: Let's go back to your journey in starting your business.
1: How did you get started? Like, what was the process like for you? I was working for no money. <laughs> so you have, so to get, it's like this, this vicious circle. It's almost like when you're trying to get a job right out of college. I wanted to manage businesses, social media accounts but I had no proof of doing it before. And so what I did was reach out to people in my network who had a business that I knew could benefit from leveling up on social media. And I just pitched my idea of what I wanted to do for them. And I said, I would do it for you know little to no cost, maybe for whatever it would cost me to you know drive over and shoot pictures. And so I started to build up my portfolio my portfolio. And as I took on more clients, I was video editing on the side as a part-time job to make up for the money I wasn't making at the beginning of my business. And that's one thing that's always tricky for entrepreneurs that have an idea and they're stuck in a nine to five and they're, they're asking me, I don't know when the right time is to pull the plug or to leave my job. And sometimes it's like starting your as people call it, like side hustles a little bit. So you can kind of build. And then when you're ready, you can leave. Well, I didn't have that safety net. I just kind of, you know, jumped. And so at the beginning, I was just trying to get as many people as possible to listen to what I wanted to do and trust me enough to let me do it.
0: Wow. So that's really how you got started.
1: Yes. That's how I got started. My first account was actually with another news reporter that I knew. She was at another station and she was up for a promotion as to be an anchor. And she really wanted to show her bosses that she had a great presence on social because it was a, a great way to tell like that the audience was interested in you and what you had to say. And so we came up with a plan of the type of content she was going to post and how she could make it more compelling. And then I had more news reporters saying, oh, I loved what was on Alyssa's page. Can you do that for me? And it kind of spiraled from there.
0: Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny because if you think about it, like people get so, you know, stressed out about marketing in general. But old-fashioned marketing, like word of mouth, is the best.
1: I have spent very little on actual marketing. A lot of it is client referrals. A lot of it is my Instagram. Just showing that I can show up, you know, most days on my account and post was a good proof of concept, but I agree. I mean, I won't say that social doesn't help because that's the bread and butter of my business, but certainly word of mouth is really big.
0: Right, right. Wow. And how did you get involved with like with the celebrities to manage their accounts?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So the first celebrity that I manage, her name is Cameron Westcott. She's a Real housewife of Dallas, and I have a very pink, bubbly account. And she was known as the Queen of Pink. She has the you know most expensive, beautiful purses, all in pink. She has like a pink closet. I mean, my dream. And <laughs> so I just DM'd her, literally. Like seriously, slid, I slid into her DMs like a creep. Um but I pitched myself. I was like, I'm a fellow pink lover. Here's what I've done. I get your vibe. I know you're aesthetic. Like here's where I think you could go and here's some ideas. And somehow she like noticed my DM and it led to a phone call. And then we met in person. And you know, I think sometimes we get a little scared of what could be and you don't just go for it. And I just Went for it and sort of time and time again, I just put myself out there in ways that I never thought I could. For instance, Emma Kenny, who's an actress and who's on um, the ABC show The Connors and also on um, Shameless on HBO. She, I was connected through a mutual connection, but she wanted to meet me in person. I don't live in LA. And I got on a flight the next day. I flew to LA. I was in her trailer in the Warner Brothers lot, like waiting for her to get offset so I can make my first impression. And I mean, it, it seems crazy like to jump on a plane and just go and put yourself out there in front of a celebrity. And I just did it. And I had a plan of where I you know, envisioned her social going and how I thought we could market her. And so it kind of just spiraled from there.
0: Wow, that's great. I mean, yeah, that's another thing, by the way, about putting yourself out there that you took the the leap even before you maybe felt 100% ready, you know? Yes,
1: I definitely did not feel (laughs) ready and questioned myself and my abilities. But fake it till you make it is still very... (laughs) yeah very true if you have i feel like confidence is everything it really has like on days when I feel not confident, if I just just like infuse myself with it, I make more sales I get more people on board. it just helps when you you put that out there people are comforted by it
0: totally, totally, yeah, I love that. Wow, there's so many great lessons in this episode thank
1: <laughs> you. And I think in the entertainment industry or probably any industry, I experienced a lot of women in particular being nasty. I mean, just not helping me um, when I like desperately needed advice, like it was just competitive and I felt lost. I, I had before I went on my first live TV spot, a producer came out and said, I just want you to know. I don't think you should be here. You don't deserve to be here. You're too young and I hope you fail. That is awful. I know. Well, I that remember is, to this day. Of course it, you do. <laughs> I was so in shock. And then just imagine you're hearing, okay, Katie, five, four, three, two, one, you're alive. And I, I just fumbled my way through it. I did a terrible job And I felt like in that moment, I knew that everything that that woman did to me and did for like months after just totally tortured me, that I didn't want to do that. And I think sometimes we mimic behavior that we've seen and we experience, and then it just spirals. And so I made a a conscious choice to be open and to be kind and just to help other women as much as possible because it's like what feeds my soul and I, I i enjoy it yeah and and i could see
0: that it's you know you can't energy doesn't lie you know what i mean like, it's so true it's like you can't you can't fake things um i mean you can fake things but people as human beings we're very sensitive creatures like we we feel each other's energies and um i mean that was quite obvious that producer that was obnoxious and terrible. But I'm saying in general, you could feel it when people let people feel about you without them saying anything.
1: Definitely. And I think now that I have young women on my team and they're trying to learn and grow in their professional careers, I try to have um, a compassionate energy and an energy that makes them feel motivated and want to to work for me. Cause I know there were many times I did not want to work for the boss I was working for.
0: Right. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that.
1: <laughs> Thank
0: you. But okay. So the last question that I'm going to ask you, which is the one that I ask everyone is what is something that you hope that the next generation of women won't have to struggle with?
1: That's a great question. I think to be questioned when we are the leaders in the room, that when I walk into a pitch meeting, which has happened to me, and it's all men, and immediately they feel like I'm not qualified because I'm just, you know, a blonde, short woman. And I've had that experience many times, that that won't even be a question, that It will be normal for women to lead companies and be the leader of the free world, hopefully one day, and that women will be in positions that no one will have to to question and no one will have to say things that are asking you, like if you're on your period or if you're being emotional (laughs) or (laughs) I mean, I just hope that the next generation doesn't have to deal with that kind of sexism.
0: Yeah, that's great. No, it's so true. I was I'm laughing cuz it's like we've all been there, you know.
1: <laughs> You're like I just have feelings and I'm expressing them that doesn't make me someone who's ineffective because I'm able to express myself emotionally. Drives me right. crazy.
0: <laughs> so true. Um okay, Katie, where can people find you if they want to learn more about you?
1: You can follow me at Katie Love Social or our website, loveyoursocialmedia.com. And you can get social media tips weekly at loveyoursocialmedia on Insta. All the links that Katie just mentioned
0: are going to be in the show notes. So, okay. Thank you so much for joining me today, Katie. It's so nice meeting you and, and hearing your story.
1: Yes. Thank you for having me. It was nice to like connect and see your face and see the person behind the account.